Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you guys are following EthosFantasyBB. We're doing a giveaway right now. Talked about it a little bit on the show yesterday, but if you go to my Twitter, JoeOrico99, you see the tweet that I sent out yesterday. We are giving away one of our draft guides which will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Very excited to share that with you guys. It's been a lot of work. It is absolutely been worth it, though. Uh, Everybody's working very hard here behind the scenes to get that out to you guys somewhere in the third week of February. Uh, Everybody's going to have their stuff in by around Valentine's Day, and then that week we will have everything being released to you guys. So make sure you're following. You should be following either way, but right now you can get something out of it. So you go follow the account. You like that tweet. You can win a free draft guide. It'll be announcing the winner over the course of the weekend. If you're not somebody who uses social media, please do go to sportsethos.com. You get pretty much all that same content there. You do miss out on things like giveaways, though, little random tweet updates whenever there's a trade or something. I try and get my thoughts out. You don't get that same level if you're just using the social media side, but you get the same articles, the same podcasts, um, things of that nature will be there. But I do recommend having a social media account, even if you're not somebody who you know is a regular poster, getting your thoughts out all the time. You don't need to be. Just follow some of those accounts within the fantasy world and the baseball world. Uh, keep you up to date on what is going on. We're going to talk today pretty much exclusively about the Corbin Burns trade. This is a huge one. Uh, I have different feelings about it. As a fantasy analyst, as a fantasy player, you got to love it. You got to love a guy getting out of a bad situation. And I mean, I don't think it was a horrible situation for Corbin Burns, but we know that he was not terribly happy with the way that they dealt with everything in arbitration last year. He was public about it. And this is what I've talked about with uh, the Blue Jays a couple times, the Vladimir Guerrero, and, and not just the Blue Jays, a lot of different teams when you take star players to arbitration over a million bucks, two million bucks, 500,000, 750,000. It's a terrible business decision, 100 times out of 100, because A, it's an insignificant amount of money to that team, and you can end up ostracizing the player, making them feel like they're not actually valued. And that's kind of what happened with Corbin Burns. We saw it heading into last year. He was not happy. And I don't know how much you want to lead or read into this, but he had not a great year by Corbin Burns standards. Still, for most pitchers, this would be something close to a career year. But for you know a guy who's a former Cy Young winner, one of the best pitchers in baseball, he had a down year. And it's hard to think that some of that is not attributed to the way that the Brewers treated him. So he's gone. He is now a Baltimore Oriole. They traded him last night. It was kind of a surprising move, but there we have it. He was traded for D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz into the American League East and into Camden Yards. Now, there's a few different ways we can break this down. Let's start off with the ballpark. 
the ballpark is an upgrade, in my opinion. And I've heard some people say, well, you know, Camden Yards, if you look, and this, this is the problem, right? When you go to StatCast and you look at the park factors, the default is to look back over the last three years worth of park factors, which is generally a good idea. One year, there could be, you know, balls that are leaving the yard more so than other years just because of there's more wind that, you know, there's more wind in the month of August this year than there were in previous years or something like that. Um, that is where you can kind of be like, okay, uh, maybe the one year doesn't give you a big enough sample size. You need to look at, at two, three years at least to see what's going on here and make sure you're not, you know, any kind of small sample data size can be misleading occasionally. So that's why their default is the three-year chart. But Camden Yards made changes to their park last year. You know, if you're doing this with Toronto, with Comerica, with Baltimore, um, they're not going to be as accurate if you look back over the course of three seasons. Because if you look at the last three years, Baltimore is not as bad um, in terms of, you know, pitching. Um, actually, it was better for hitting. Excuse me. It was a much more hitter-friendly ballpark before they made the changes to Camden Yards. Once they made those changes, they moved the wall in left field back like, I don't even know what it was, 25 feet or something like that. Um, it made it a much more pitcher-friendly ballpark. So when you just look at last year, which it's not always perfect, but for this scenario, uh, Baltimore, in terms of park factor, was 25th in all of Major League Baseball. Milwaukee was slightly better. Uh, Milwaukee, in this um, graph that I'm looking at, in terms of like all park factors, was 22nd for hitters. So it's not a massive, massive difference. The big difference comes when you're looking at right-handed hitters. Right-handed hitters make up a majority of hitters. They hit, you know, a majority of home runs by default. And the park factor for home runs, especially if you can, you can do all of this on StatCast, look at the park factor for home runs for right-handed batters in Baltimore, and there's, like, no home runs that are going to be hit by right-handed batters in Baltimore um, for the most part. It's not a very friendly ballpark simply because of what they've done with the wall there. Um, it's way back. It's way back, and now it makes it a lot harder for righties to actually get the ball out of the yard. Something to consider with Corbin Burns is that he's not going to be giving up as many home runs as he probably would have been if he was in Milwaukee. Now, that's kind of offset a little bit by the fact that it's a better division, but you know that also is offset by the fact that the schedule is now more balanced. Where you used to play 76 games against your division, which is essentially half the season, now it's only 52. So you're thinking that Corbin Burns is likely to start maybe eight times against his division, eight or nine times. This will probably mean four or five times it'll be on the road. Um, four or five times at home, four or five times on the road. And people have mentioned that as being a factor. For me, it's not much of a factor. I, I can kind of understand, like, yes, he's going to have to play the Yankees and the Red Sox and the, and the Blue Jays as opposed to the Pirates and the Cubs and the Reds. It does make a difference, but – it's a small sample. It's a small portion of the overall starts that Corbin Burns is going to make. So it's not something that I'm looking at as being like, oh, well, this negates all the value. No, he's going to a better ballpark to pitch in, even if it's slightly. You know, we don't, we don't need massive differences. Even if it's a slight increase, we're already talking about coming from a place of elite-level talent. Any kind of small changes in the right direction are going to be positive. If he's going to a very hitter-friendly ballpark, that would obviously make it. Like, if he's going to pitch in Cincinnati or Colorado, that'd be a lot different than what we're seeing here um, going to Baltimore. It, it does make a difference in the right direction. And even though it's maybe a small difference, it's a positive difference nonetheless. Now, in terms of the skills we saw last year, I said that 
you know, it was kind of a down year for Corbin Burns, and it was a down year for Corbin Burns. The strikeout rate was 25.5%, which is better than average, but for a guy who two years prior was 35%, and then in 2022 was 30%, it's not ideal to lose 5% on your K rate in consecutive years. It's it's actually terrible. Um, the walk rate went from 5.2 to 6.4 to 8.4%. So if you're looking at strikeout minus walk rates, he went from that dazzling 30.4% down to a still incredible 24.1%. Now down to a, a fairly pedestrian 17.1% strikeout minus walk rate. We've seen the whip go up a little bit each of the last three years. 0. 0.94, 0. 0.97 to 107. It's still an elite whip at 107. But he's definitely not had a great progression over these last couple of seasons as well. I think that going to Baltimore, you get a better team. Yes, it's a slightly trickier division, but we're talking about a team that won 100 games last year and has improved. You know, even just Corbin Burns there, that could be a swing of maybe four or five wins in the standings. I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about legitimate wins in the standings. Having Corbin Burns at the top of that staff could legitimately mean, you know, 97 wins goes to 102 wins or something like that. Now, you have to look at the Orioles last season as maybe slightly overachievers. I don't know if they're going to be a necessarily a 100-win team again, but adding Corbin Burns, they're not going to be too far off. Like I think 90 wins is the floor for this Orioles team, and then you're probably looking at like 95 to 98 wins somewhere, and they're almost guaranteed to be in the playoffs. With this monster of a rotation with their lineup, everybody getting a little bit older, I, I think that we are looking at a very scary, potentially a very scary Baltimore Orioles team in 2024. Corbin Burns right now is my starting pitcher number six. I don't like to give away rankings at this time of year because you know, try to keep it secret for when we're actually releasing the draft guides and whatnot. But right now I have him at number six. Um, the guys I have ahead of him are Strider, Gosman, Cole, Pablo Lopez, and Zach Wheeler. I did have him at number 10, and I moved him ahead of Luis Castillo, ahead of Logan Webb, ahead of George Kirby, and ahead of Zach Eflin with this trade yesterday. It might be a little bit too dramatic of a move, but I think the mental aspect of getting out of a bad situation, you get a park upgrade, you get a team upgrade. There's a lot to really like here about Corbin Burns. Now, our friend Vlad Sedler from FDN Fantasy posted a draft board that he's in. Today, it's a draft champions for Matt Draft and Hold. Corbin Burns went fourth overall. That's where you lose me a little bit. I think Corbin Burns could you know, potentially fit into that wheel at the back end of the first round in a 15-teamer. If you want to take Corbin Burns and Jordan Alvarez or something like that, Corbin Burns and Bryce Harper, Jose Ramirez, something like that, I could get behind it. When you're pushing him up to the front half of the first round is where you've totally lost me. He went ahead of Spencer Strider in that draft. He went ahead of Cole. He went ahead of Gosman, which he usually goes ahead of Gosman anyway. It's pretty close, but that is a little bit too drastic for my taste. I think that Corbin Burns, in terms of overall rankings, probably can fit into the early 20s. Maybe you can put him in like the late teens somewhere. But for me, I think he probably fits into pretty solidly the top 25 but probably like 22, 23 range. To take him in the first half of the first round, and Vlad blocked out the, the draft board just so that we're not going after whoever did this move. But he did say that they are a smart, experienced fantasy player. This is not some guy who happened to join a league and then said, oh, screw it, I'll take Corbin Burns in the first round. This is an experienced fantasy player, whoever it is. So uh, this is something that we might see a little more often as Corbin Burns getting pushed up into the first round. I just don't think that we should get anywhere near the front half of the first round with him. That's where we're pushing it too much. If you want to take him at the beginning of the second round, then I think that's okay. But if you're, tr if you're trying to push him up into the top five picks, 
there's a chance he could finish there. Like, don't get me wrong. Corbin Burns, you know, just a couple years ago was overall like a top five player. I'm not expecting it. I'm not expecting it, though. Um, not right now. I think that that's probably a little bit too much to ask for, especially considering that the skills, you know, they're still very good, but they've been kind of on a decline for the last couple of years. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's still in his prime. And like I said, it was a bad situation that he was in in Milwaukee where they don't like to spend money. They were very cheap. They didn't treat him as well as they should have. So it's a fresh start for Corbin Burns, and I could very easily see it. I tweeted out last night, if Corbin Burns finishes as the number one starting pitcher in fantasy, then I wouldn't be terribly surprised by it. I wouldn't project it, but I wouldn't be terribly surprised by it either. Let's talk about who went back to Milwaukee, and it was widely, widely panned, this trade for Milwaukee, because, well, they didn't get much back. They got D.L. Hall, they got Joey Ortiz, and then this caught me by surprise, and this is I'm somebody who you know, covers the, the sport every single day. I didn't know you could trade draft picks. I was listening to Bubba and the Bloom last night with Ryan Bloomfield and our friend uh, Casey Bubba, both very good friends, and they had no idea that you could trade draft picks. They've been doing this a lot longer than I have. So it's like now you can trade draft picks as long as they're like compensation picks or something, but only certain teams can trade them. They've made the game of baseball very, very, very consumer-friendly. I have no idea what the hell is going on with trading draft picks. It was always a staple of the sport that you could not trade your draft picks. But there was the 34th overall pick that went back to Milwaukee as well. That's a side note. doesn't concern us for fantasy. Just kind of weird. In terms of the return that uh, the Milwaukee Brewers were able to get here, D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz. Let's start with D.L. Hall. He is the pitcher. I don't think that D.L. Hall is amazing I think you know especially considering they traded Corbin Burns who is an SP1 he's an ace he's a couple years removed from a Cy Young you need to get a, a number one prospect when you're making that kind of trade I think that this is potentially a really bad decision for the brew uh, for the Brewers because every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at U.S. Border Patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Well, they didn't get one of those massive names back. They didn't get a Jackson Holiday. They didn't get Basalo. They didn't get Kobe Mayo or Colton Kowser, Heston Kierstad. They didn't get Connor Norby. They got their number, I think, eight prospect in Ortiz. I think he's their number eight guy. And then D.L. Hall is technically not prospect status anymore because he's graduated. But somebody who is not nearly as well regarded as they were a couple of years ago, D.L. Hall is more considered to be a relief pitcher now. He came up as a starter. The weird thing is he's only started one game in Major League Baseball, but people are kind of ready to already give up on him as a starter, and I think the thought in Baltimore was that he was going to be more of a reliever. I think they're going to try him as a starter in Milwaukee. I actually I actually don't know. Like At this point, he's only started one game. The last couple of years, he's been predominantly a reliever, and he's actually been really good as a reliever. 
But do you want to take the you know one of the main pieces of this trade, trading a franchise icon to some extent, and you know, make the main piece of it a relief pitcher when he's only 25 years old? They're going to try and start him. I don't know how much success they're going to have with it. And again, we don't really know because it's just a small sample size. But the Orioles did start to convert him specifically in 2023 to more of a relief pitcher. That might be what he's better suited for, considering the like insane control problems. Um, you know, 14% walk rate in AAA last year. That's brutal. That is just terrible. At every level, you're looking at a walk rate above 10%, pretty pretty high above 10% too. At times, you're looking at 15%, 16, 14.2, 14, 16.7. Some really, really terrible walk rates. Now, as a reliever at the big league level last year, fairly small sample size of 18 games in 19 innings, but you're looking at a 6.2% walk rate, 28.4 on the K rate. I think that he's probably better suited as a reliever, but they're likely to at least try him as a starter because at this point, who the hell else do they have that's going to be starting games for them? I think that he's an okay kind of dart throw, but his price is kind of honestly beyond dart throw. It's 423, which is not it's not crazy, but you're looking at maybe around 29 of a in a draft of a 15 team league draft. I don't know that D.L. Hall is really going to come through as much as you're hoping for. You know, if you look at the guys going after him, um, even on this same team, really, you're getting Aaron Ashby in the same range. You get Robert Gasser in the same range, Wade Miley, Abner Uribe. There's a lot of pitchers, just if you're talking Brewers pitchers, that I prefer in this range. I don't see there being a lot of hope in D.L. Hall having a lot of fantasy value this year unless he's somehow able to transition back to a starter and cut down those walks, which he's always kind of had, except for, miraculously, um, his time as a big leaguer in 2023 when they kind of went away. I don't know that they're going to necessarily stay away as a starting pitcher. Like, there is hope for D.L. Hall with the big strikeouts, but I just don't see him as being somebody worth investing in this year. We don't really know what his role is going to be. I think that he'll start, but he's going to have a couple of bad starts, and if they keep him in the rotation is going to be the big question there. They don't have a hell of a lot of major league-ready starters so maybe he's just in a situation where they kind of just like, okay, we don't have anybody else you can go, but I don't think the results will necessarily be that great if that is the case. So I'm not very, very interested in D.L. Hall here uh, as the first piece of this return. Like I mentioned, the other piece is Joey Ortiz. Joey Ortiz is probably the more intriguing piece here. Again, I think there's they sold themselves a little short, and part of that was Corbin Burns. You know, we publicly knew that he wasn't fairly happy, so he was not going to be able to fetch the same return as he might have fetched a year ago. Uh, also, the fact that his year wasn't quite as good as we were probably hoping. But Joey Ortiz is the second piece of this trade. You might consider him to be the main piece of the trade. I think he's pretty good. I think that he is somebody that, again, we don't really know what he's going to look like at the big league level. We're talking about a 15-game sample size where he did not look terribly good. But if you're looking at the minor league levels, usually looking very good and over the last couple of seasons he's had a very high batting average at the minor leagues not something he's been able to do for most of his time down there if you look at the high a low a numbers even the double a at first he's usually hitting in the 240 to 270 kind of range which is fine but when you translate that to the big leagues you're going to lose some you're going to lose some points off of that for sure when you look at what he did in AAA in 2023, you're looking at a 321 average, 9 homers and 11 steals over 88 games, a 121 wrc plus. He looked real solid. He's projected both by roster resource and by MLB playing time, which is, again, Mike Curlin's website. I would definitely be checking out MLBplayingtime.com. He's projected as a starter against both lefties and righties. So I think with Joey Ortiz, you can kind of get behind it to some extent. 
especially because of the price. $6.91 is really cheap. Now, he is more of a path to playing time now than he did yesterday, and he will probably see him get picked a little bit higher. And just looking at drafts that happened today, he went at 4.47 in one, and yesterday he went at 4.70 in a draft. So that's going to start to skew up a little bit more. At that point, I can still take a chance, though, and I don't think it'll be consistently in the 400s. I think he'll probably settle in around 500, and around 500 for a guy who is going to be playing I think fairly regularly, he's somebody that could very easily pick up a couple positions of eligibility. Last year, in the big leagues, we're only talking about 15 games, but he was at second seven times. He was at third base four times. He played short three times. He can kind of get all over the infield. Could be somebody that's kind of sneakily picks up a few positions worth of eligibility. And he's somebody that can be like a late target in your draft champions. I'm not going out there and saying you should be taking him in your standard size 12-team leagues, in your Yahoo leagues, in your in your fan track, CBS leagues, unless it's a very, very, very deep league. Some of you guys have massive rosters, massive starting lineups, massive benches, and unlimited IL spots, and then maybe you can get him in there. But I think for this year's purposes, Joey Ortiz functions as a depth piece in a draft and hold format mostly. But that'll do it. I think we've covered every angle of the Corbin Burns trade. I I like it from a Baltimore Orioles perspective as a Blue Jay fan. Definitely don't like the fact that we're going to be facing Corbin Burns a couple times every year, or at least for this year, because it is a contract year for him, which I guess is another piece that I didn't address here, is that it's a contract year, and we can't really put into numbers how that affects players, but there's so many examples every single year of a guy in a contract year who just goes absolutely berserk. We saw it with Aaron Judge last season. I wouldn't be shocked to see Corbin Burns spike a season where he is the best pitcher in baseball again, try and go out and get himself that big contract to get him through his 30s. But that will do it for us for today and for the week. If you guys have not already done so, please go subscribe to the podcast. We do this every single day. We are here Monday through Friday, and we are talking baseball for between half an hour and an hour. If you're into that, if you like what we do, really appreciate you guys subscribing to the pod and leaving us a rating and review. Really helps the show to grow. It helps me. It helps Sports Ethos. Everybody wins at the end of the day if you guys subscribe and also leave a rating on the podcast. Next week is going to be a very busy week on the show. We're going to have at least four different guests, all technically five. We're doing our Detroit Tigers preview. We're doing our Mariners preview and our Yankees preview, all with guests that I will talk about over on social and on the show as well next week. And next Friday, it's episode 500. Eno Saris and Nick Pollock are going to be here, and the three of us are going to be talking about the big differences between our starting pitcher rankings. They've also announced that they are doing a new podcast, The Craft, a starting pitching podcast. I had a very small part in that actually existing, so I'm very, very proud of that. We're going to get into all of that on the show next week, but be damn sure you guys are subscribing. We have a ton of fun stuff, a ton of guests planned over the next couple months to get you all ready for the season. But that will do it for us. We will talk to you guys again on Monday. But until then, take care, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you on Monday. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. 
Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.